It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening. I'm Philip Bliss, a business visionary and co-host of Toronto's Podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source for great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Ron Spreenberg. Since 2013, Ron has been the co-founder and CEO of Hi Mama, based in Toronto, where he leads all aspects of the business that facilitates information sharing between childcare programs and parents. The Hi Mama application aims to save childcare and early learning programs time and money while significantly enhancing family engagement through real-time sharing of digital media. Ron has an MBA from Harvard, specializing in international business and entrepreneurship, and a degree in engineering from the University of Waterloo. I first met Ron when I was running an entrepreneurship program, which he won. That was about three years ago. So Ron, why don't you give the audience a bit more on who you are and your current business focus? Sure. Uh, So thanks for having me on the show, Philip. Glad to connect with you again. Um, It has been three years, which is hard to believe. Uh, so my background is uh, mostly in consulting. Uh, I spent about five years at Deloitte Consulting uh, in Toronto and Ottawa and also spent a couple of years over in London in the UK and uh, worked in strategy and operations practices uh, there. I originally studied engineering at the University of Waterloo and uh, through my co-op internships there, I, I quickly realized that I wanted to be uh, more on the decision-making end of things in the company and hence why I focused on uh, business roles coming out of there and working at Deloitte versus the execution side of things, which I felt most engineers were doing. And I felt they were bringing a ton of value and weren't really compensated or respected accordingly. And uh, so that's why I went more the business route. And uh, in that process, I always also went and did my MBA at Harvard Business School. And um, for me, that was very valuable because, again, I studied engineering in undergrad. So that really uh, forced me to understand uh, the fundamentals of uh, business and finance and economics uh, through that uh, degree as well. Most recently, I've been working on my startup called Hi Mama. So I started Hi Mama 2013 with my co-founder and CTO, Alana Fromi. I'm the CEO. And what Hi Mama is, is an app for childcare and early learning programs. And it's used by teachers to record children's health, well-being, learning and development in the classroom and keep parents in the loop on what they're doing in daycare during the day. And, you know, the context I always give here is uh, as a parent, uh, I'm dropping off my child at daycare at, you know, eight or nine in the morning. I'm picking up up between five and six. And in most childcare programs still today, I literally have no clue what's going on with my child during those hours. And in the meantime, I've got my smartphone at my fingertips with every other single piece of information you could possibly imagine, except for the information I care about most, which is what's happening with my child right now. Um, So that's Hi Mama. And uh, as I mentioned, we're five years in and we're a team of over 50 people now, which is really exciting, based here in Toronto and continuing to grow and have fun in the process. Great. That's super. 
So you know, you've explained that you sort of did engineering, but you really you knew you wanted to become an entrepreneur. How long did it take to think about actually from sort of thinking about becoming an entrepreneur to actually getting started in it? What took you to that to that starting line? So it took a really long time. Um, it's something that really was on my mind for for years before I really dove in head first on it. It started out at Waterloo. So the University of Waterloo, for anyone that doesn't know too much about it, it is a very entrepreneurial uh, university in Canada. There, there are quite a few startups coming out of there. It's very practical oriented. So uh, again, a lot of the engineers are graduating from there. And uh, of course, engineers like to create and do tangible things. And, uh, you know, you had RIM BlackBerry coming out of there with Lazaridis being a very big supporter of the University of Waterloo. And so there was kind of like this this entrepreneurial vibe at the school, which was kind of what started getting me thinking a little bit more seriously about entrepreneurship. And um, what really influenced me probably the most, though, was a good friend of mine. Uh, he had a brother who <laughs> was like the stereotypical entrepreneur. He, you know, he started an advertising business and he was you know, making these pitches to like really big companies when he had literally no employees and no other customers and he was pitching them on a product and he was selling it. And he would tell me these crazy stories about his brother and all the entrepreneurial war stories he had with the ups and downs. And, I was, you know, mm-hmm. it, it got me really excited about the possibility and, and really, you know, it, it emphasized to me how a single person can go from nothing to, you know, a multi-million dollar business just with the tenacity and persistence of themselves. And so that was really exciting to me. And I think really what got that idea of entrepreneurship embedded in my mind, um, that said, uh, I also was quite, I'm quite pragmatic. I, I grew up in a Dutch family and the, the Dutch tend to be a little bit more on the pragmatic side. And my family generally wasn't super entrepreneurial, frankly. Um, you know, we, we grew up, they grew up, I should say, in an age where, you know, you get a job and you, you stick to your job for, for 30 years through to retirement and, you know, you're, you're good to go sort of thing. And um, so that's how I was raised. So for me, I think certainly that had an influence on me needing sort of a few years for that to really, really think upon the entrepreneurship side and, and, you know, diving into it. Uh, and so that, that, that's where I made the transition into Deloitte and, and, you know, certainly in some ways consulting is quite entrepreneurial as well. Um, you know, you, yeah, like, like you're leading projects on on your own, oftentimes with little support, it's not very hierarchical. Um, and you're kind of like selling yourself internally and externally, uh, all the time. And so, um, you know, good experience there for sure. And, you know, I kind of hit the point which which some people do in consulting where, especially when you're sort of around the manager level and it's, you know, you got to make a decision. Am I, am I going the partner route uh, and making this my career or am I getting out and doing something else? And, you know, for me, that's kind of when I, I really came back to the entrepreneurship question and said, am I going to do this because it's now or never? I had a little bit of a, a situation in my life where 
I had an opportune time to do it in that uh, I mentioned earlier, I spent a couple of years with Deloitte uh, over in the UK and that was actually on a secondment. So it was a set period of time with an end date. And so it, it worked out well because that end date of the secondment created a really natural opportunity for me to reflect and say, okay, I'm going to go back to the Toronto Deloitte office. Like, is this what I'm doing or not? You know what I mean? And so, and it, and it was great because from the perspective of the Deloitte office in the UK, they weren't going to miss me because they knew I had that end date. Um, they were planning around that. And in, in Toronto and here in Canada, they, uh, you know, I hadn't been here for a couple of years. So they also weren't necessarily, uh, it wasn't like they were losing anybody um, from their perspective. So, you know, I felt good about not, not leaving uh, my consulting firm in the, in the dust with the decision. I said, you know, it's now or never. And I, I actually did what I don't really recommend to anyone, quite frankly, but I left Deloitte at that juncture without having anything lined up. Um, so I was actually just speaking to, yeah, just speaking to different people in my network to see what they were up to and talking about and thinking about different entrepreneurial ideas. Uh, mm. But I actually had nothing lined up at the time. And, uh, you know, it, of course, not having a job and, and making no money does certainly force you to come to uh, a decision or to action items quickly mm-hmm. and, uh, to, to get there. So... I mean, why High Mama? How how did you focus on that? What well, I mean, what what brought you to that business in particular? Yeah, so I think it's a really good example of what I think is super duper important if you're an entrepreneur and you want to start a business, which is just start doing because you don't know you know what the end result's going to be. And so for for me and Alana, we ended up building High Mama in the very earliest days. Uh, as basically a competitor to Facebook. So if you're a parent with young kids, instead of posting your photos on Facebook to, you know, let's say your 500 Facebook friends, including people you haven't seen since high school 10 years ago, it would just be a very close network of family and friends. And so you would also be incentivized to share more photos and memories and stories of your kids because, uh, of course, like the grandparents and aunts and uncles, they're going to want to get as much of that stuff as possible. And so that was kind of the original idea. We worked on that for, call it about three to six months, and we created the app. We got some some folks on it and did some beta testing. What we quickly realized was two things. One is uh, consumers are very fickle with their apps. So you know, while you could get people to download your app and use it, it's very hard to have those users engaged and activated on your product over mm-hmm. time. And the second thing is monetization in B2C or selling to consumers is also very difficult and often requires raising a whole bunch of money and your success rate is likely quite low. And so, you know, you've got the candy crushes of the world out there, but for every candy crush, there's thousands of other apps that, you know, go to zero pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were thinking, you know, how can we take what we've already done and leverage that to create you know, a viable and sustainable business. So you know, we started talking to some of our network around you know, what we had created. And uh, a friend of ours, he had a son uh, who was a toddler at the time in daycare. And he was telling us about his experience and how every day he got a handwritten note that he would take home 
when he, he picked up his child at the end of the day and it would say, you know, what Adam had for his uh, meals and when he had his nap time and what activities he worked on. But he was like, you know, half the time I can't even read it because the teacher is writing like 10 of these for every kid. So they're writing super fast. And so I, not legible. And it's not very useful, frankly, the information they put on there. It's not engaging. It's just like handwritten notes. And so that really, that's really when the light bulb went off and we realized if we created a software product for the daycare, that would be very interesting because first of all, we can connect it and leverage this existing parent app that we've created, which creates a communication channel between the daycare and the parent. Secondly, the daycare is incentivized to add information into the software because they want to keep the parents updated as a service to their customers to keep them informed on how their kids are doing. The parents are going to be logging in and very engaged in the product because they're going to want to see and get those updates, which we're certainly seeing from our end. And lastly, we have a real tangible B2B buyer uh, with the childcare owner operator uh, subscribing to this software product. And so we felt like we had all the key elements of what we needed to create a successful and viable business for the long term. So from sort of founding Hi Mama to that point, I mean, how long did that focus take to get it from the beginning to where you had your model, you, you know, you, you could move forward basically? It took probably about a year. So we, yeah, so like, let's say in the fall of 2012, we had started creating this uh, B2C Facebook-like app, and we did that through to uh, March of the following year. Uh, so basically, spent like half a year, kind of like part-time-ish, like nobody was full-time on it, but we were, we we're moving that forward. And then in April of 2013 that's when we went full steam ahead on this childcare product idea and we released that in October so we we kind of spent call it 6 months on that initial B2C product part time and then another 6 months designing developing the childcare product so did you need financing to get things rolling i mean how did how did you get that it was just you know just curious uh, we were super duper bootstrapped. So we, you know, basically made no money for that year. We, uh, a couple of our founding partners kind of put in a little bit of money just to like keep the lights on sort of thing and enough so that we could pay the bills kind of thing. But, um, that's it really. Um, we, we ran super duper lean and did what we could with what we had. So where are you? I mean, where are you today? Are you currently making money? You know, how long did it take you to get profitable? Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's a dial, you know, as a SaaS business that you have to, you know, you can turn up or down, right? Mm -hmm. So we, right. you know, for us, like we, we can and have been and will be profitable, but we also, you know, profitability is at the sacrifice of growth, right? So mm -hmm. we're always trying to find that right mix and sometimes it changes. And uh, so we're always looking at that. Um, you know, we could be, you know, we could be profitable three months after launching the product. We could be profitable 12 months, 24 months, 36, but um, we're always questioning, are we investing enough as well? Um, we do have competitors out there, mm -hmm. um, but we, we go in waves and, and certainly 
in the last five years, we've been profitable at times. Okay. Um, and then once, and then once we hit that profitability, then we decide to then reinvest more money then, in the business. Then you go burn, burn cash. So let's yeah. move away from the business. Let's move to Ron. What does a typical day look like for you? How do you maintain the kind of focus you know, it needs to succeed and to have fun? Yeah, so I mean, certainly it changes a lot over time. Um, and for me, that's one of the most exciting things about being a co-founder of a, a, a startup is that your job description changes I would say every six months, my job is completely different than what it was six months before. And it's awesome because I'm always challenged. I'm always doing new things, right? So, you know, and and I think that's part of what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur though too, right? Is that they have that flexibility to do that. So like when I first started Hi Mama, I was literally driving around in a Toyota Matrix with a Hi Mama magnet on the side of it going to childcare programs and interviewing people to learn about what the heck they do all day and what their problems were and how we could help them. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent a few months doing that and that was when it was just me and and my co-founder. But today, of course, my life is quite different with a team of 50 people. And so I lean very heavily on my leadership team across the different functions in the company to, to lead their teams and I'm really just here to support them. Um, so that's one of my big roles. The The second one is, you know, the vision and leadership for the company certainly has become more and more important and relevant to me as the company grows to keep that, that North Star. And uh, the third is that, um, you know, I have to, at the highest level, manage those strategic decisions like we were talking about before around like profitability versus growth and how we finance the business to maintain that right balance. And uh, also, no matter what stage you're at in your company, customers are always super important. So I always ensure that I get in front of customers uh, at all points of the the customer lifecycle, pre-sale and and post-sale, for example. When I met you, you were sort of in Toronto, in Canada. Are you still so focused on Canada or are you doing business elsewhere? No. So we um, do most of our, our business in Canada and the U.S. And uh, we actually do have a pretty strong customer base internationally, too. So sort of like pockets around the world where we're mm-hmm. getting, you know, getting some traction. And we haven't really done that proactively. It's just happened more organically. Mm-hmm. But uh, certainly getting some traction there, but mostly Canada and the U.S. And the whole team is based mm-hmm. in Toronto. What are the biggest benefits for you uh, about being an entrepreneur in the GTHA? You know, wh- why, why Toronto? Why here? I think one of the biggest benefits of Toronto is, is the people. Um, and of course, if you're creating a business at the end of the day, it's all about the people. You know, that's both on the talent side. You've got a lot of talented people in Toronto. Mm -hmm. There's some good university and college programs, you know, from the University of Waterloo through to the University of Toronto and all the other wonderful schools in and around here. And, you know, people, of course, as anybody knows in Ontario, a lot of folks tend to to come to to the DTA area after graduating because there is a lot of career opportunities here. And so you've got a lot of talented people but also just culture too, right? So it's the right mix of talented people, but also uh, talented people where you can have 
uh, a friendly culture uh, in, in a team of authentic and genuine people, which is something that I care very deeply about, is that we create a business that is successful economically and commercially, but also from a social perspective in terms of social impact. And that's both you know, for our customers and community as well as our team here in Toronto. Just staying local, you know, we do some of our best work outside of the office. Is there a place in Toronto or close to Toronto where you like to recharge, you know, get inspired, maybe just even think, get away and think? Uh, Yeah, I wish I had uh, so much time to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do. Well, so my wife and I were both from southwestern Ontario and uh, she grew up on a farm uh, down there. So oftentimes we'll go down that way, you know, for a weekend or a few days just to get out of the city, which is quite nice. You know, there's certainly the element of the hustle and bustle in a city like Toronto, which is, is great. Like it creates, you know, that buzz that you need to to keep going. Um, But also I think it can distract you from taking a step back and reflecting and it doesn't really uh, allow for that very easily. So kind of getting out of the, the hustle bustle of the city, I do find helps, uh, helps with that. Do you think entrepreneurs have to be weird? You're unique, wired differently. I mean, you know, you're, you're a guy, you know, Waterloo engineer, uh, MBA, Harvard, top five consulting, you know, why the heck did you bother becoming an entrepreneur? You know? Um, so, I mean, to answer your first question, I think, uh, no, you don't have to be, you don't have to be too weird or too different. Like it's hard to, it's hard to like generalize entrepreneurs. Every entrepreneur is very different. And I've seen, you know, a little bit more crazy, super creative, um, maybe very technical kind of entrepreneur who's going to like create this amazing, innovative new product, for example. Um, and then that product in their mind basically is what creates an amazing business. But you also see entrepreneurs on the opposite end of that spectrum who are operators or, you know, very strong managers or leaders who understand business very well and then create like a product or engineering team around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got everything in between. So, you know, there, there's, there's certainly different types of entrepreneurs in certain entrepreneurs take more or less risk too, right? So it's really what you're comfortable with. Um, and, and so I don't think there's any sort of clear definition there. I must admit, most entrepreneurs that I seem to know are actually kind of low-risk people. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but man. You know, what kind of job would you not like to do? You know, you, you settled on building a business. I mean, you know, you, you have a profession which is really, a, you know, engineering, consulting. What wouldn't you want to do? I mean, it kind of goes back a little bit to your question too of like, why, you know, why do, you know, why be an entrepreneur? Why start a business? Yeah, the, I get that. Um, it, it's the classic thing, right? Like once you are an entrepreneur and you start a business, it's very hard to envision going back to anything else, quite frankly. And, and I think for me, like, you know, it's a lot of things, uh, but I think mostly what it comes down to for me is... I want to optimize my impact and I want to do the things that I feel are really important and have, you know, my impact on the world. 
And I can't do that unless I can make my own decision. So like, you know, a good example is, and I touched on this briefly, but I believe very strongly that uh, having a strong social purpose and social vision is highly correlated to creating a great business. And there's not enough companies out there doing that right now. And so for me, it was very important that we became a certified B corporation or benefit corporation mm-hmm. to solidify our position on that. And so for me, you know, I, I really admire entrepreneurs who, who are living that. And, and a big challenge is that, uh, you know, and this is part of, you know, an ongoing, you know, list of literature out there about startups and especially mm-hmm. in the Valley, like, Everyone's saying they're doing great things, but are they? You know, when you dig deeper, you have the the types of uh, things that we're reading in the news about Facebook um, and, you know, what they're doing with their data. Uh, there's something I read just this morning with Elon Musk and, and, and Tesla. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly there's entrepreneurs that are they're aiming to do big things and uh, change the world. But also, you know, as you grow and create a big company, you know, your ethics and and what you prioritize can change. And so I think you always have to stay grounded in what's important. And so for me, you know, that's something that's really important and and something that I wanted to be able to do. And I I thought I wouldn't be able to do that if I was working for somebody else. Kind of following on that, what is your favorite word or quote, whatever, that you like to use? And the corollary, what is your least favorite word or sentence you, you don't want to hear? Well, I'll start, with my, I'll start with my least favorite thing, which is the word revolutionize. <laughs> any, <laughs> any time I see a business, uh, a startup saying they're going to revolutionize something, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of a turnoff because, um, you know, frankly, if I'm being honest, nobody's revolutionizing anything. Everybody's making incremental improvements to the world, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Uh, but let's not pretend like we're revolutionizing uh, anything. <laughs> so that's the one that I like the least. Uh, what you know? What quote do I like the most? Oh, uh, that's a tough question. There is a quote by by Churchill, and I don't know exactly how it goes, but uh, it's something along the lines of. Um, and certainly this is the spirit of it is, you know, if you fall on your face trying, that is a better outcome than never trying at all. And, and certainly that's, that's a powerful motto and message and, and, you know, something that was encouraging to me to take the leap into entrepreneurship is I didn't want to have regret. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be at retirement and think to myself, oh, You know, I wish when I was, you know, whenever in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, I wish I would have made that decision to start my own business. I wonder what would have happened if I never wanted to have that conversation with myself. Um, I would rather give it a go and see what happens. And if I fall on my face and fail, so be it. But at least I know I tried. Anything keep you up at night in particular? Uh, To be honest, no. I, you know, we're... The a startup is a, it is a marathon and it's not a sprint and so yeah. you know we always try to keep that in mind at Hi Mama like we don't encourage people to be pulling all nighters and be super stressed about what they have in their job and frankly if people are then we're not, like I'm not doing my job as a leader and if I'm super stressed then I'm you know I'm doing something wrong too so I I actually really respect those 
leaders out in the world, people that have crazy jobs, CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies who work nine to five and they go home to their families. Mm-hmm. And there's a really good, you know, interview the other day I saw with Warren Buffett and like you look at his calendar and he's got, he has hardly any meetings booked <laughs> because yeah. he knows how to manage his time. Uh, yeah. He focuses on what's important and I, I actually respect that. And me too. So let's have a little bit, bit of fun here. There's a small tropical island just off Fiji that has only one phone booth and no internet. We drop you off there, and you won't have a computer, a smartphone, or tablet, anything like that. You can use the phone booth located there anytime to call the boat, and we'll come back and pick you up. How long would you last before you made that call, and what would you do there while you were there? How big is the island? It's a, it's a small tropical island, so it's not, <laughs> you know, it ain't, it ain't Fiji, it's off of Fiji, okay? <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just wondering how much exploring I can do, because I like exploring, I'm pretty adventurous, so, so you know, if there's an opportunity to explore, I could see myself staying quite a bit longer, but if it's super small, then I'm not sure. The short answer is not very long. Uh, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think maybe like, maybe like three or four days, maybe I would relax for three or four days and say, Hey, this is great. Uh, and, and then I'd probably be out. How can our listeners get hold of you? And is there anything you'd like to add before, you know, we, we call it a day? Yeah. Best way to get a hold of me is my email. It's ron at com. R-O-N uh, at Hi, Mama, H-I-M-A-M-A.com. Well, Ron, it's been great meeting up again, and I'm glad to hear that Hi, Mama is uh, doing so well, especially as we put it back three years ago as being a winner, which is terrific. Thanks for having me, Philip. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time today to listen to Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Phil Bliss. See you next time.